Since 1998, Lanco Group has been providing superior civil engineering solutions and advice to developers, local government and service authorities across Australia. Lanco Group is known for delivering sustainable, efficient solutions. By working closely with clients, Lanco Group is able to meet the complex infrastructure requirements for residential, commercial and industrial developments on time, on budget. Find out more at lancogroup.com.au. Lanco Group, your business partner for engineering solutions. Pickett, she lays it off to Reza Polaris. It's an absolute peach. Is driving. What a hit from Melina Rez. Wow. And Sam Kerr has a hat trick. Meet him all. One Well, safe to say, ladies and gentlemen of the Radio Dub universe, I did not expect to be in this seat, didn't expect to be in this position, and I didn't expect to be joined by the man who was about to join me because here on Radio Dub, myself, Lockie Flanagan, and Oscar Rutherford, our host-in-chief, Pakua Frimpong, the woman, the myth, the legend herself, she's flown the coop, Oscar. She's left this show in our less than capable hands, and look, it's uh, it's a new frontier. It's a new frontier for Radio Dub. We're doing a a different different look, different feel. Uh, with Pakua partially unavailable uh, mm. tonight, it's going to be you and me sort of steering the ship. We're used to being the kind of um, you know buddy cop offsiders to Pakua's lead protagonist, but right. today we're we're the main characters. The, the sort of the Tweedledee and Tweedledum of Radio Dub. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> How are you, Oscar? Look, I'm good. Fortunately, this arrangement is very, very temporary and is not going to last beyond this week because otherwise this ship would, would crash quickly for sure. I mean, not, not, not to, you know, insult us, but, you know, without, without the captain of the ship, I don't really know where we're going. So fortunately, Pakua can help us out a little bit and, and guide us somewhere. You know, mm. set us on the course and we can just follow along. Exactly, exactly. And and look, Pakua could not leave the total responsibility of this show. I don't think she trusted us enough to do a full hour of A-League Women's Chat solo. So she is going to join us for the first 10 minutes uh, via the Zoom room. Pakua, uh, how are we doing? We're two minutes in. You've been sitting there in the, uh, in the Zoom call shaking your head at some of the garbage that's already been uttered by the two of us. Uh, are you regretting your decision? Should you have gotten someone else to host this program in your absence? I'm not quite sure. I'll have to when I when I listen back to the show, I will know if I've made a mistake. And somebody will be getting a firing notice. I feel like I, I don't want to say Donald Trump, but uh, the, the guy who did the Australian version of Celebrity Apprentice. Mark I feel Boris? like I'm going to be saying, "Yeah, Mark Boris, that's it." You are, uh, whatever he says, I feel like I'll be saying that soon. Fair enough. That that does make me a bit anxious, uh, the idea of Pakua just kind of lurking in the shadows, listening to our performance and then striking like a, you know, a viper just out of nowhere with critiques. I don't know. Maybe she'll say nice stuff. Who knows? I I will will find, uh, it'll be kind, like rejection letter from the show. It'll be really worded very nicely. Well, we're going to uh, do what we usually do and, and whip through all the, the weird, wacky and wonderful of the A-League women's, of the dub on this program. Shall we start with um, 
while we've got you, Pakua. Well, f- first of all, we will go to the game that you did on the weekend for uh, for 10 play in Paramount Plus. But what was your favourite bit of the weekend? That's what I want to know first. And please exclude your own game from that, that yeah. tally because it is what we'll be talking about next. My favourite bit of the weekend, oof. I, I don't know if it's my favourite, but I did enjoy seeing Western United, not Western United, Western Sydney Wanderers take out the W. That was quite, that was quite thrilling and uh, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for them. They got the draw last night, but on the weekend it was quite, it was quite nice to see them, you know, get that win. It was a very big win as well. Oscar, a favourite moment for you? Well, I, I would my my answer is I, I agree with Pakura. It's very exciting, not just the, the the result over the weekend, but just the week leading into that, and the fact that they've had three really tough games and come away with two wins and a draw against all the Melbourne-based teams is like hugely impressive and super exciting for the competition. But then I guess I would extend that to the bigger picture and just say how much more tightly contested and competitive the leagues become over just the last couple of weeks because the teams at the top have started dropping some points and then the the teams just on the fringe of the top four have start, have improved and and closed the gap and now it looks like we'll have a really exciting back end of the season as we kind of it becomes a really close race for the top four yeah hey oscar just a quick thing before you go uh, i'm already getting feedback our... I know. I don't know if our rhetoric about uh, the Melbourne bias had, you know, had a strong weekend, because Western Sydney just went through all the Melbourne teams, <laughs> and did. we didn't. I, I don't know if we need to change the rhetoric or if we need to keep pushing the rhetoric even harder. I don't know. We are now a podcast based in the west of Sydney, and we have never felt <laughs> more strongly in the work that Cat Smith is doing. Well, that's how. Well, that's how we can do it. We can talk about how Cat Smith, uh, you know. Uh, who, who who mastered her craft in uh, in MPLW Victoria is now taking those skills and applying them to Western Sydney Wanderers. So really, it all stems from from the homeland that is Melbourne and Victoria. Sorry, did you say Forza Victoria? Is that what you just said? Oh, sorry, I just missed that. Sorry, Forza MPL Victoria. Say Forza MPL Victoria. I did. I in 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 my own special way. Yeah, I did. Okay, I can't believe I'm going to be the one to do this, but I'm going to steer us away from the pro-Victorian bias, mm. and I'm going to talk about uh, my favourite moment of the weekend. Um, well, I'll start with selfishly my favourite moment, which was Hannah Keane scoring 66 points as my captain in fantasy, which means I'm now ranked 40th, uh, eight places behind Pakua globally in A-League Women's Fantasy. Um Pakura is 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 the top of our uh, of our private league and one of the best players in the world. But I am I'm hot on her heels. Actually, you are top in the league. I am just ranked higher than you in the mm. overall. Pakura is second, though. I have to mention that she is second in the league. How does that work? What? He's, it's a head-to-head league, more... Oscar. Oh, I'm sorry. League. I'm there. Yeah. I got you. I'm sorry. Anyway, yep. but my taking my selfish fantasy hat off for a second, um, my actual favourite moment of the weekend was um, was the Nikki Flannery show uh, Ooh, yeah. at, at McKellar Park as Canberra ripped the Newcastle Jets to, uh, to shreds with uh, another impressive uh, attacking display headlined by... Nikki Flannery, as I mentioned, but also Michelle Heyman and, and, and Vesna Milivojevic as well, a few others that were thrown. But Pakua, that was, of course, the game that you were on as part of the dub zone coverage this weekend. And uh, a 5-1 scoreline, a resounding one 
for Canberra, did the, the performance match up with the scoreline in this game? Yes. I was, uh, I was, I was surprised. Like, I knew there was going to be lots of goals in this game, but I was pleasantly surprised by Canberra because I've seen Canberra through this season. I was like, oh, they've been good. They've been good. But Nikki Flannery, what a player. Uh, Vesta Milvojevic, I'm really happy that she got the goal. She got the final goal of the game. But a really complete performance from Canberra. And, but I think a player that like maybe overshadowed because Nikki Flannery and Vesta Milvojevic and uh, Michelle Heyman did such an incredible job up front was Ellie Brush. She did such an incredible job defensively. Uh, she was so solid and she obviously got a goal as well, but she was so controlled and Newcastle really struggled except for a few chances um, a few chances throughout the game, but Ellie Brush did a great job. Well, and it was a great moment as well, of course, you know, capping off that brilliant performance with a goal as well, her first back um, or her first goal since uh, return from all those troubles that she's had with injury. Do you feel like she's a, an important sort of um, missing piece of the, the puzzle now that she's back in her sort of full pomp for Canberra? I did think that that, that centre of defence at, at various points to begin the season was a, was a little bit soft, but it seems like once she's returned and got into her stride that Canberra are, are looking a lot better for it. Yeah, I think so. I I like to believe that I think in defences especially, you need someone with a lot of experience just to keep things calm and relaxed and just set things organised. And I think she does a great job of that. And they're a great side going forward. And that all stems from them being really good defensively because they, they attack, like they play out all the way through the back and just they link up really, really well and... They're a really impressive team, and I think she's a really important player for them. And then looking at another part of the pitch, of course, Grace Ma wasn't there either. And, you know, she's someone who we associate as so integral to the way Canberra play and, and as, as one of their best players, I guess. Because How much did you notice her not being there? Was it, was it obvious that they were missing one of their most important players in midfield? Strangely, no. And she's such a inc- like incredible player that it's, it's crazy to almost think that... Because they... Uh, the name escapes me, the Chinese international who's come back and scored on the weekend. Thank you very much. Um, It's crazy to think that she came, she just came straight in and she had a really great game for the time that she was on the field to have Grace Ma back as well with that kind of a potent attack and midfield. I didn't really notice her missing in this game because they did such a great job compensating. And even a player like Grace Jarley, for her standards, had a really relatively quiet game. She could still like she could still have a moment as well in any game. So I think they're a really great side, Canberra. Well, for Newcastle on the other end of the spectrum, they did score a, a late consolation goal through through Tara Andrews, but that defensive, soft defensive underbelly continued to be a pretty prominent factor. Is there sort of are there defensive woes? As, as troubling as, as shipping five in this game suggests? Were they a little bit unlucky? And and if they're not unlucky, how, how do they go about fixing this d- defensive hole that they uh, appear to have dug themselves into? I, I think that Newcastle are a, a poor defensive unit. Uh, I don't think they defend together at times. and They're a little bit disjointed and we get, we get a lot of players like lost in the play and I think Emily Garney has probably been the strongest player of that back line throughout the entire season because they have changed 
their fullbacks at times with Tessa Tamplin playing or Leia Puxty playing. It like really kind of dep- depends for them. Defensively, even in their game against uh, the West of the Wanderers earlier in the season where they won, they were still leaking goals and giving up really big opportunities. So that is something they need to work on if it's playing a, ge- a game that's a little bit more reserved, which is not even to their advantage because they've got players like Sarah Griffiths and uh, Murphy Agnew who want to play like free-flowing football and really at a fast pace. They might need to take a step back and slow it down just to get their defensive troubles settled for a little bit. I mean, only three teams have scored more goals than Newcastle just on this point. Like, there's clearly they clearly have the capacity to hurt teams, at the, and it's only the top three teams that have scored more goals than Newcastle United, which is which is ridiculous. But you know, obviously, as we're discussing, the reason that it's that they're so far down the table is because they've conceded 27 goals in nine games, which is three goals a game. They're conceding an average of three goals a game, which is so many more than the second most, which is. Wellington, who have conceded 17. They've conceded 10 more goals than Wellington. I guess, Fakua, do, do you see them overcoming this problem? Can they have both the benefits of their attack whilst also tightening up their defence? Or is it is it all or nothing with Newcastle? I think they I think they set themselves up for each game being a, basically a, a shootout and seeing if they can score more. Uh, I don't think it's a short-term fix at this uh, current stage. I don't know if they can get players in to fix it or if they play a different shape. I'm not really quite sure of what the answer is for them. But if for the foreseeable future, it looks like every game of theirs is going to have a minimum of four goals in it. They may score four. The um, the other team may score four. It may be a mix. I'm not quite sure. But all I do know is they have real defensive issues and they don't have a structure that currently works for the players they have to ensure that they are defensively solid at times. Well, Pakua, before we let you go, I will let you indulge as the host of this program and go back to some some more Vic-related content. Western United, of course, their perfect start to their inaugural A-League women's campaign came to an end at the hands of Western Sydney Wanderers last week. Do they right the ship at 2.20pm this Saturday when they take on the Brisbane Roar? I think they do. I hope they do. Because I do, I love the story of Western United so far this season. Uh, but I, I think that blip was needed because I, I remember speaking to Mark Torcastle at the start of the season about what his thoughts, his projections were for the team. He thought the first fight had taken about five rounds to really get themselves settled. And they blew that out of the water by continuously winning and doing so well. It was inevitable that they were going to stumble at some point. And now I think after the fact they've lost, if they are able to beat Brisbane and beat Brisbane comfortably, then we'll know what sort of side they are because they need to bounce back from some sort of defeat for us to really determine who they are as a squad and how good they really are. But you know what? In Western Mark Torcaster and Western United, I believe. Uh, I think many people are, despite the loss, still buying into that that hype, uh, still definitely purchasing stocks in that. And I don't need to go, Pakul, but just, just, just to clarify, you would still rank them as... I do, I- birthday Oscar come on man let's get these questions going uh, 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 you see this is the pressure that you're putting me under I'm crumbling I can't handle it oh, we know that you're watching and that you're listening and now now you're yeah this is like me during my driving test it's just there's noise coming from <laughs> everywhere and I can't keep up and it was a manual test as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but just to clarify that Western United would still rank one and you're like most likely to to for example win the league oh I don't I don't think I've had them as one at any point 
I, I think I've, as they've continued winning, I've been more comfortable to say they'll finish top four. Okay. But I don't think they'll finish first. I think that they will lose points to some other sides. I'm not quite sure of who the rest of their, if they're facing any of the other top three sides. I know they don't face victory again for the rest of the season, but I think they'll finish maybe third or fourth and just get through to the finals. Pakua Frimpong, our fearless leader, thank you for uh, helping us, giving us the training wheels for the first mm. 20 minutes of this program. Please go and enjoy a, a, a well-earned night off. Is there commentary assignments coming up this weekend for you? Where can people hear you? There is. Uh, I am doing the Melbourne City and Western Sydney Wanderers game on the weekend. Well, there you go. Big there game. you go. That's that's where to head if you want to hear Pakua Frimpong's Dulcet tones because uh, Lord knows you won't get enough of them on Radio Dub this evening. Once again, Pakua, thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to having you back in the hosting chair for this program very, very soon. It's good, good seeing you guys. Adios and uh, have a great show. Well, we will try in Pakua's absence try. to have a, have a great show. Yeah. Uh, it does tend to taper off when, as I said, our fearless leader is no longer at the helm, but we've covered off Canberra United and Newcastle Jets, Oscar. Um, two teams towards the sort of back end of the table. Do we want to head towards the... Uh, I, I mean, I guess that's maybe a little bit harsh yeah. on Canberra. I actually think they're, you know, maybe... Four points outside the top four maybe with the game in hand. arguably the best of the rest at the moment, at outside, the moment the, yeah. outside the top four. Where do you want to head next? Shall we, shall we traverse a little further up the table, potentially? We had... Let's. Let's. You, you sound kidding? like you're leaning onto something. Uh, well, I, I mean, give you the freedom to do that. A, a derby, a Melbourne derby, a, a first dub derby of the season, probably the the juiciest of of engagements. Uh, I, I would I would guess uh, a one all draw in the end at, at Casey Fields, a game that did have to be rescheduled due to the uh, extreme heat down here in Melbourne. And yeah, on a uh, a comparatively cooler day on the Sunday, neither side could be split. I know you had your eyes pretty keenly on this one. What did you make of it? A draw, a, a fair result? Yeah, yeah, I probably would say so. It's it's kind of weird these two teams. I think Melbourne victory. It's a bit odd in the sense that we, you know, obviously the slow start to the season, the two losses, but then the four wins in a row, and we thought, all right, here we go again. You know, they've they've found their groove. They're on the way. They'll keep marching up, and they've kind of just started again over the last few weeks. I think it's now three consecutive draws. Is that right? That, that, like that, three consecutive draws, uh, of course, including last night against Western Sydney Wanderers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of come a bit out of nowhere. I don't think that you can disassociate that from the absence of Molina Ayres, who was so good for that four-game winning streak and kind of losing that focal point seems to have made this team a bit yeah. less cohesive. Uh, and, and I think we kind of saw that against Melbourne City as well. There was there was at times a bit of a lack of structure in the way they were moving the ball forward. But yeah, and Melbourne City are they're a really they they they're interesting me the way that Dario Vidisic has them playing because I, I I won't claim to have been overwhelmingly impressed with what I've seen thus far. In so in so far as it it seems like sometimes they have quite a lot of trouble progressing the ball past the centre backs. I'm seeing a lot of kind of recycling the ball along the well, back that, three. That's almost exactly what happened in their the opening goal of the game. They yeah. conceded to, to Alex exactly right. Alex Chidiak where they were really, yeah, having a great difficulty trying to work out how best to progress the ball. And eventually that sort of 
dalliance, a, a, a loud victory to, to bring the front line of their press up and eventually um, force, a, force a turnover. It's like a, a boa constrictor kind of, you know, just slowly wrapping itself around its, uh, its prey. And, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was Alex Chidiak. But I, and I feel on like her birthday, no less. On her birthday. Happy birthday, Alex Chidiak. Uh, I think we've seen it for Melbourne City also. Similar things were happening when they played Perth a couple of weeks ago and when they played Adelaide. Kind of if you, if you stop the ball getting to Leah Davidson, they will often have a hard time getting much further than that. And kind of the loss of someone like Amina Ekic on the wing has, I think, further made that, that challenge more apparent. Uh, and so I, I'm interested to see how that develops, how that progresses over the next few weeks, whether they're able to come up with a more sustainable way to move the ball. I mean, they've kept getting results apart from the Western Sydney game. So I'm really interested to see what happens when they when they come head-to-head next weekend as well. We get to see them go back at it once again. It'll be really interesting to see what's changed, if anything, from those teams uh, in such a short period of time. And, you know, they've got a really tough few weeks. They're playing Adelaide after that and then Sydney. So it's... And then Western United. So, you know, I think we'll find out a lot about Dario Vidisic's Melbourne City over the next month or so. Absolutely. I mean, shall we stick with victory just for the moment and tail off the the game that did happen last night? Because it kind of... I'm just thinking back to the the thing you said about the absence of Molina Reyes and that front line not quite clicking into gear in her absence without that focal point. Feels like we saw a little bit more of that in last night's game, yeah. a, a nil or draw. Two of the well, the two of the most informed teams in the competition now in in Western Sydney Wanderers and and Victory. Um, but yeah, it, Rika Madsen probably had her best chance exactly to, to open say, her yeah. account, but and I do think Victory probably edged the play in 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 this game, even if Western maybe closed up a little bit late. But yeah, I, th- I think again we did see that absence of, um, of of killer instinct come back to haunt victory in this game. Even though I, I do think they had the uh, ha- had the run of the play for the most part. And of course, we do have to keep in mind that this is a stage where Jeff Hawkins will have to be rotating his squad because they are playing so many games at the moment. Obviously, they're playing uh, at the weekend uh, as well in in Adelaide, uh, and then. They've got the, the the 26th of January fixture against Sydney FC as well. So they're, they're, there's a lot of fixture congestion that they're dealing with, but we know that that's, that's not new. I think you're right. I think it was Rika Madsen's best game last night. She looked as, as close to scoring or as involved as I've seen her. Uh, so perhaps that's a sign that things will start coming back to normal. But I, but I mentioned the squad rotation just because obviously we saw BD Goad revert to playing higher up on the wing last night while Nat Tatham was at left back, whereas over the last month we've seen a lot of Beattie go to left back and then one of, you know, Paige Zoyce or um, uh, Ava Breedis, someone like that, playing a bit higher up. So we're seeing quite a few different combinations from victory, uh, which, you know, can't help in terms of building up that chemistry when we compare it to, to other teams near the top who kind of have a consistent front line. Uh, you know, Sydney FC have had a fairly consistent front line, as have Western United. So, not sure how much of, of a role that has to play, but, you know, uh, you're allowed to go in and out of form as the season progresses and victory have time. And I think this is just a dry spell. That's true. But uh, it's it's true, but you have less sympathy for them when you realise how good some of their rotation yeah. options still are, I guess. I mean, you know, it's just what, a week and a half ago that we were talking about how good 
Paige Joyce's debut A-League women's goal was, you know, whether or not she's one of the more talented youngsters in the competition and she she was back on the bench and what was she an unused sub last night? Yeah. If if yeah, I mean if she wasn't, she didn't make it until the very end. To be fair, in her actual natural position, she is having to contend with a player who I do genuinely believe is one of the best young players in the competition, one who I don't think is being talked enough about right now, and that is Alana Murphy. I saw your tweet about it, yeah. 17 years of age, and she was bossing it, I thought, last night in that game against the Wanderers. It, yeah, 100% Alana Murphy, and she's really staked her claim in, in that midfield kind of with the rotation that's been happening as well. So I think, yeah, 100%. I, I agree. Yeah, she's just got... Uh, I mean, we know that in the A-League women's player debuts, um, maturation of players in terms of getting senior minutes, it does come a lot or can come a lot sooner, generally speaking, than, you know, comparative competitions. But even in saying that, even in saying that, it's very rare that you see a player of Alana Murphy's age behave with the uh, composure and and the the I guess the presence of mind so consistently that that she does she always seems like she's thinking one step ahead of where the play presently is like it, it's a lot of really small things but like there was a moment where there was a sort of an, an aerial contest that she could have gone in to to win and she realizes it was about the final ten minutes of the game she realizes almost immediately that. She's not going to win it. And so all she does, rather than actually bother to contest, run the risk of tunnelling the player and giving away a foul, she just steps back and lets the Wanderers player, whose name escapes me right now, attack it. And she reads it through the air and just is right there for the drop of the ball and it's just regained possession for victory without actually having to physically exert herself. I mean, how many 17-year-old players do you see at any level of the game um, be able to just read the play so clearly, you know, be an oracle in terms of what's going to break uh, break in front of them. Very dramatic. But yeah, no, and then, you know, venturing into the realms of, of what we don't know and what we can't see is kind of the the influence. I mean, it's a really great midfield group, I think, for a super young midfielder to oh, be yeah. involved in, in terms of you look at the variety of players and the different skills that they all bring and the experience from, you know, uh, Amy Jackson and Elise Keller Knight and even Alex Chidiak, who, of course, we always forget how young Chids is, but just having that skill set available and, and accessible to Alana Murphy, I think, can only be really beneficial for her, especially now that she's getting consistent minutes. And for me, that this, you know, we, we talk about Alana Murphy, but one of the most exciting things about victory this season has been the number of young players, often who we know from MPL, perhaps who have been given consistent opportunities. And we talk about Ava Breeders, when we talk about Paige Joyce, these kinds of players. I think it's really cool. I think it's it's really awesome, and that just adds a layer of excitement and you know obviously Victor aren't the only team for whom that's the case I mean if we look at Melbourne City as well we get lots of those benefits of seeing the likes of Daniela Galich and, and players who and and Naomi Chinema these players who are unproven or are making their way and and I think that the coaches are consistently doing a good job at promoting those young players. Mm. Well we spent a lot of time from this game talking about the victory half of the equation, but it was a, a fourth game unbeaten now for the team that out of really nowhere has almost become everyone's team in, in the Liberty A-League, which is the Western Sydney Wanderers. Now the proud owners, again, 364 days 
without a win and and all of a sudden they have two teams, uh, the two top teams that they managed to knock off and a draw against another team in the top four, um, you know, throw in, a, throw in a Wellington game on the eve of the new year or on, I think on maybe even on New Year's Day. Um, and it's, it's pretty good. It makes for, makes for pretty good reading, four games unbeaten. But we have to talk about the game on the weekend where they achieved a feat that, well, literally no other team in the league has been able to do. Has ever been able to do. Or That's ever. Right. In, yeah. in the history of the competition, which was break the perfect run of Western United. They were seven games unbeaten, seven straight wins to start life in the Liberty A-League. And you imagine that they would have looked at this game and thought, surely this is where we go eight straight. This has to be a foregone conclusion. But then a City, a win against City at Wanderers Football Park. It just threw a cat amongst the pigeons. It asked a few questions and slowly but surely the conversation did start to trickle around. Are the Wanderers going to do it this week? Are the Wanderers going to be the team? I just get that feeling that the Wanderers are going to be the team. And Oscar, as we now know, the Western Sydney Wanderers were the team to break that perfect record. And maybe it wasn't as convincing as the game against City, where I thought the Wanderers thoroughly outplayed their opponents on the day, but it was an extremely competitive uh, performance and, and you know, a, a win that you can certainly say they deserved as, as much as Western, really. And I don't think these are flukes. I think no. the, the the overwhelming impression I've got from the Wanderers over the last couple of weeks is they've looked like a really, really well-coached team. I think we've seen them play better with the ball and without the ball. You kind of obviously need to be able to tolerate. So, for example, in the game against Western United, obviously Western United have a lot of quality in the front third and they need to be able to manage that, and they were. They've got a really solid centre-back pairing. Uh, but then also with the ball, and this is, like, for me, super exciting, is that they're one of the best teams at building up from the back and and the roles that the likes of Malia Steinmetz and Beth Gordon are playing in those build-ups is making for really good football. And, and, and it's it's really exciting to see Western Sydney not only competitive and functioning, but doing so playing decent football. And, of course, there's a lot of, you know, transition counter-attacking there as well. But, you know, that's you can understand why you would opt for that strategy when, you know, you don't have the pure quality that other teams have. So they are, they look like a team that's getting the best out of themselves and that's allowing themselves to compete with teams who, on paper, have more quality than them. And I think that's all about some excellent coaching from Cat Smith. Yeah. I mean, is there something... Do you, do you think there's an element to the uptick in form being down to Wanderers picking a best 11? Like, have they, they, they've had a lot of chop and change. They've had a lot of train-ons who have come in and out of the side. They obviously have had import players that haven't worked. They've had injuries. But ever since... Maybe it's not even finding their best 11... Maybe it's finding an addition to that 11 that has really made things click. Because I don't think it's a huge coincidence that the Wanderers are now four games unbeaten. And as of the nil or draw with Melbourne victory, Serena Bolden has clocked up match number three for the, the Wanderers. I mean, she's made a massive, massive difference to the uh, to the cut and the thrust and the, the threat... And the mobility, I think, as well, that um, or a combination of all of those things that the Wanderers have got going forwards. I feel like 
I feel like Sophie Harding had the mobility, uh, but maybe the the finishing quality has been has been lacking. And to be fair, that is still uh, an area that Serena Bolden is is building into her game. But I just think she's she's a far more versatile presence than the options that Wanderers have previously had to call in. I don't think it's a big coincidence that she's come in and the Wanderers immediately look better, look more functional. Yeah, I I would hesitate to put, like, to say that's the reason that they're playing better because I actually felt like they were improving before Serena Bolden was playing and contributing. Now, with that being said, I completely agree that she's elevated them to a new level because I felt like there was some function in terms of, you know, with the ball in defence and midfield. But now that, as you're alluding to, they've been given this cutting edge every time they go forward. And, and you know, it having a player like Serena Bolden uh, allows the likes of Sophie Harding to be better and the likes of Sheridan Gallagher to be better because it takes the pressure of those players and allows them to perform their roles rather than kind of being asked to do everything across the front line, which it kind of looked like at times. It looked like it was chaotic and everyone felt like they had to do everything all the time and there was no order to it all. But they, they've found this balance now with a player like Bolden who who, who does her role and makes, it, and makes it really difficult to defend and Sheridan Gallagher can use her physicality and Sophie Harding can use her pace and, and run down the other wing. And it's just it's just a much more as you say, functional system that they've got going now with Serena Bolden's presence. I mean, I think that the back four as well has... has like, but that's been fairly consistent this season. No, but I think that's what that's an element of this that's really interesting, interesting to me is that that back four has largely been unchanged from the start of the season. It did look really sloppy i think at, at parts of this campaign a little uh, a little disorganized at the start but it looks i mean if not rock solid it looks markedly improved in the last few weeks despite having the same player so maybe that is some improvements that cat smith has made maybe that is just the game plan finally um finally breaking through but I, yeah i just get this collective sense that everyone's starting to get a bit of bit of Wanderer's fever, I suppose. I do think that the back four has improved independently of what's going on elsewhere in the pitch, but I, I wouldn't also discount the fact that I think it's so much harder to be a good defence when you're just constantly defending and you're mm. always on the back foot. Yeah. And having a more functional attack kind of relieves some of that pressure. Uh, and I think that's where the back four has also benefited. With that being said, I've all, uh, like, I feel like they've had a consistently solid back four throughout the season, and I accept your point that it hasn't always worked perfectly well, but... They're good play- it's a really solid centre-back pairing, for example. Alexia Apostolakis is a really good player. Like There are good individuals in there that mean that that should be able to work. But just in combination with everything else working better, it relieves the pressure off them. Everyone feels a bit better. The whole team just lifts. And they just look like a different team. Well, the curiousness of their fixture is that they have to now play Melbourne City this weekend. Obviously, the team who broke the winning drought or the winless drought for them a couple of weeks ago. It's it's a very sort of short turnaround to be facing a same opponent. And let's not forget that the Wanderers, as I said earlier, really gave City a, a, a hard time of it in that game and deserved their 2-0 win. Yes, the, the goal that they scored, Sheridan Gallagher's opener, there was a stroke of fortune. But the balance of play, I think Wanderers were the better side even without a, a, a fortuitous goal. Do you expect them to, to do it again, to have it on their own terms, or do you think City will be a bit more sort of wise and and studied and, I mean, arguably respectful of what Wanderers will bring to the table this time around? 
the one thing that needs to be considered, I think, well, the one thing, one of the things that needs to be considered is that Western Sydney obviously played yesterday, which does make it harder, which does mm. make it more difficult to sustain. With that being said, based on how they've played over the last few weeks, I would, exp- yeah, I think Western Sydney can do it again. I really do. I think that they are playing better than, than Melbourne City and, and I like what Western Sydney Wanderers are doing. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think that it is more than you know, a remote possibility that Western Sydney could, could win again or at the bare minimum get a draw. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure if my uh, memory serves me correctly that that will be one of the games, and it will be, uh, one of the games covered on Dub Zone this Saturday. So there'll be plenty of conversation around the uh, the action in that game and the fallout from it as well, whatever way that it does choose to fall. One other thing, Olivia Price being back, big difference as well. Oh, yeah. It's not a coincidence that her How is relevant. How good was that? I mean, everyone talks about Sheridan Gallagher and yeah. sort of the miracle strike, but I almost think that Liv Price's goal was better. It, it looked more deliberate, didn't it? That, that looked more oh, like... But it was uh, just... It, it, it was, couldn't have been any more top corner than it was. It very sweetly. It was just a, a one-touch, a pure strike. Ah, oh, you could watch it. Again and again and again and again and again. Shall we talk, though, about some of the teams that, as a result of the Wanderers' upturn in form, as a result of Canberra winning back-to-back games now, are maybe just looking over their shoulder and and starting to get a bit anxious. And um, Dovetail's quite nicer because it was two teams who took one another on uh, in, in fifth and sixth position on the table in... Uh, sorry, in sixth and seventh position on the table in... No... Fifth, fifth and sixth position on the table. I was, I think, I was right the first time, uh, or at least they were at the time. I think that's right. Yeah. In Brisbane and Adelaide, a one-all draw uh, for these two sides at Perry Park. Adelaide United breaking a six-hour run without a goal in the A-League Women's, courtesy of a penalty scored by Chelsea Dorber. Is there anything or did anything occur in this game that would dissuade your concerns about a, a slide for Adelaide? I mean, for me, it's kind of remarkable that how bad this run they've been on, which is now, I think, four games with without a win, that they're still within touching distance of of the top four. They're still best of the rest, but they're certainly not playing like it, Oscar. And I don't think that the draw with Brisbane will, you know, allay Adrian Stenter's fear. I mean, they scored from a, from a, from a penalty. Like, the, you know, they're, they're still not, they're still not looking threatening. It's or the cheapest the way to score. break your goal drought. Well, exactly. It's, it's, uh, and you know, if you look at, at the goals for, it's crazy. They've scored six goals in nine games, six goals in nine. Like I'm, I'm just double checking that that is indeed the case. So only Wellington Phoenix have scored fewer goals than Adelaide United this season, which is, which is a major concern. And, you know, they're, they're a team for whom last season we were all blown away by uh, Chelsea Dorber uh, uh, up top, uh, who, who hasn't quite looked as threatening this season, although perhaps the, the more dramatic for the player who more so than that uh, isn't quite finding the back of the net is... Uh, help me out here, Lockie, is I mind blank? Fiona Wirtz. It's Fiona Wirtz. I, I apologise. Yes, is, is, is last season's best player, Fiona Wirtz, who... who is not, it's just not working as well as it was last season in a way that's really hard to explain. I think that if we look at the root cause of that, that I think that having to take Nanako Sasaki out of midfield and play her at centre-back hasn't helped. 
Uh, I, I feel like she was really important to Adelaide United's build-up play and not having her in as advanced of a position has, has limited uh, as much what Adelaide are able to do with the ball. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's concerning. And they've just started leaking goals as well, which has meant that unlike the start of the season when they were getting away with a couple of really tight 1-0 wins, now that they're conceding, they're not getting away with it as much. And and it's it's a real concern for Adrian Stenter because even when they were winning, they weren't scoring a lot of goals. So that's what they need to find a solution quick, smart. Yeah, and it just, it's... I mean, it's it's almost the it's the last problem that you would have expected on the eve of the season that Adelaide United would have. I mean, when Ella Tonkin went down with injury very early on into the into the campaign, you're like, okay, if they have some sort of issues with defensive depth, if they do have some frailties in that area of the park, which I guess in some respects that you know they have, um, you can totally understand that. But I mean, we're talking about the Julie Dolan, Julie Dolan medalist. We're talking season. about one of, you know, the most impressive up and coming strikers we've got in the competition. And for some, like they've, Fiona Wirtz has been in and out of the, the side, but together they just don't really, they don't seem to be working. And what's even more, well, I don't know whether this would be something that makes Adrian Stenter feel better or something that makes him even more concerned their chance creation out of midfield isn't necessarily that bad either. They have an XG4 differential at the moment, Oscar, of six, which means their XG is six goals more than they've actually been able to score in the competition, which, I mean, is remarkable. It's, It's astounding, and that will surely, you'd think, have to improve at some point, and that might give Adrian Stenter a little bit of not salvation, but comfort, knowing that the chances are still there and that number is one that just will have to, on some level, course correct eventually. But, God, I mean, that's just, it's an astronomical figure. Uh, And, you know, irrespective of that, once the sort of doubt starts to creep in, once you get in that rut... Uh, as the Wanderers showed for 364 days, and I'm not necessarily saying it's going to get that bad for Adelaide United, but it can set deep. It can set very deep. Brisbane, though, I, I feel like this game would have made Gareth McPherson feel a little bit better just because of how quickly, um, like a duck to water, uh, India Paige Riley took to her, well, I say new surroundings, her... It was more of a re-familiarisation returning to Brisbane as opposed to getting used to new surroundings. But honestly, uh, the way she controlled that game for Brisbane on Saturday, on Sunday afternoon felt like she never really left. And I think really, really important for Brisbane to get a, another player of her quality in the squad. I think that they're a team that needed a bit extra up the top of the pitch. And so I feel like it was a really... I mean, like, you know, she's always going to be a good recruit, but, you know, considering where where Brisbane have been lacking, uh, not just this season, but I think relatively consistently, uh, I think it's it's a it's a fantastic signing. I, I'm not sure if it will be enough to push them into the top four as much as they're only four points outside of it with a game in hand as we speak, along with, with Canberra United. But, you know, they, they needed reinforcements, Brisbane, and they've got them, and India Page Riley 
uh, as you say, like a duck to water the way she's returned to this competition. And it's just great for the A-League women's competition to have a player of that quality back. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how Brisbane incorporate her and what she can add to what Brisbane are doing. Mm. Well, and, and the other thing I really liked about India Paige Riley's weekend is that she was one of 17 past and or present. Um, well, she's obviously a contingent, uh, well, in the present contingent, um, A-League women's players who took the field in the record uh, women's football crowd in New Zealand on uh, on Wednesday, well, yesterday, yeah. uh, between the US and, uh, and New Zealand. And, um, yeah, at the cake tin, 17 A-League women's players past and present in there. I thought that was... But that was quite That's an extraordinary number. It yeah. Is. I mean, a lot of those are, are, are of a Wellington persuasion. Some of them are, are naturalised players. But there were there were players on both sides of the divide, of course. Former A-League women's star Lynn Williams as well. She scored in the game. Um, I mean, we won't necessarily talk about the ramifications of the game itself and how the US looked because we should be in keeping with the core tenets of this show. And one of the core tenets is Pakua's penchant for chaos. Uh, The dub league is a chaos league, as she would often tell you. And to that end, I think it's very fitting that we we round out our our review of of the action with this game. And well-dressed coaches. Yes, that that too, which remains very relevant to the game that we're going to finish off with. Uh, Perth Glory 2, Wellington nil, a game in which we saw an incident that, that led to both Emma Rolston and Ella Mastrantonio being red-carded simultaneously. Both players went uh, went for an early shower. Both teams went down to 10. But it didn't matter all too much to the scoreline because Perth Glory had this game in their control from about minute 14 onwards. Sierra Hinson with a, a lovely sort of turn and burn and then the finish to match open the scoring before a, a stonewaller penalty uh, converted by Susan Fonson Cam pretty much put Perth in control inside the opening 15. And even in spite of the red cards for either side, I think that's a position from which they, I mean, never really looked back from in this game. No, and and they're one of the collective of teams that have, that we thought were pretty much down and out for the top four race, but they've kind of revived their hopes a little bit. They're now a nine point. So they're a little bit further behind than, than Canberra and Brisbane, but now they're back in the conversation. They're a team that before or at the start of the season, I certainly rated very highly and really liked the way that they were, you know, playing their football. And it hasn't hasn't always worked out. I think that they've conceded too many goals has been really their their primary downfall. But they looked relatively comfortable, albeit against a Wellington side who who have struggled this season. But yeah, and of course that incident that you spoke about the double red card attracting all the attention. But you know, at least looking on the pitch, Perth. They're, they're still in the race. I, I believe the Perth Glory uh, are still capable of making the top four because I believe that if they pull it all together, then they're absolutely one of the best four teams in the competition. You don't think that the the absence of Riley Basin will just prove a, a sort of, you know, a hole to, to, a gap too big to fill? It is substantial and I'm not sure the extent to which my MPL Victoria bias is clouding my vision ah. of what this Perth team is capable of is... is fantastic of a player as Alani Janczewski and Sarah Kane are, uh, amongst others, Bella Wallhead as well. There's just there's just all, all that MPL Victoria influence is there. So that I'm probably a bit biased. But, you know, I, I, I think for me as well, just looking at Wellington this season, I don't know 
it's it's hard to be critical of Wellington because of how young the team is, because of how new the club is, and because of <sighs> yeah, the expectations. I, mean, I I I get that. I get that. That's fair. But I just I I, I do also feel like they have brought in some players who did give you cause for optimism yeah. at the start of this season. And, and they just, none of them, oh, all native players as well, too, or, or New Zealand natives, who I just don't think have, have, have delivered on, on what was expected. I mean, you know, when you bring in Betsy Hassett you know, uh, and Paige Satchel into this team, you kind of expect those two players to, to really deliver for you. And maybe there's a, a sort of... Um, you know, an argument to su- suggest that you know you you can't really, you know, what what am I trying to say here? You, you can't really do a, an eleven person job with with two people, um, and there are some deficiencies elsewhere that might be too big for the influence of those two players to do all that much about. But uh, I don't know. I just I just felt a bit sort of flat. Yeah. Coming away from this game, I like right. it's it's and it's the feeling I get when I come away from a lot of Wellington games at at the moment. It feels a far cry from, you know, the way that a lot of people used to perceive this team last year. It feels like the kid gloves are off, Oscar. The kid gloves are off for the Wellington Phoenix, and uh, unfortunately, with Western Sydney's resurgence, they are. Facing a, a difficult time at the uh, at the foot of the table, Oscar. Before we wrap up, should we do a a, a quick fire prediction run through uh, the games this weekend? There is only only four for us to to predict. I mean, it is Australia Day at the uh, the time of Dub Zones. Sorry, Radio Dub's usual recording time every mm. Thursday. So it might have to be an earlier edition, but we'll leave that one for now because it might dovetail nicely into a. Uh, uh, a big blue dub preview. Western United Brisbane Raw, the game that kicks us off this weekend, two twenty p.m. here in Victoria. Western United back to winning ways, Oscar. It's hard to see any other result. I'm inclined to agree. I think it'll be scores for both sides, but Western United with the win. Melbourne City, Western Sydney, two familiar opponents playing for the second time in the space of two weeks. Uh, it was a two nil. Sorry, a two nil win for Western Sydney. Yes, yeah. it was. Uh, two weeks ago. Does that stay the same? Do Western Sydney keep going up the table? Yeah, sure. I'll go for real. Western Sydney will win. Okay. I'm going to go for a score draw, I think. Adelaide United Melbourne victory. Victory win. I think it's hard to see anything else right now. Adelaide just simply, I mean, they're, they're two teams that are, you know, one space apart from each other on the on the table in in fourth and fifth, but I mean victory look <laughs> look miles away from from Adelaide at the moment. It's hard to see them getting anything other than three points in this game. I'm just expecting to see two teams who really want to score. I, I, I assume we'll see a lot of bodies thrown. I don't, I don't doubt that Adelaide United really want to score. But, I but just... I'm saying they'll they'll take more risks in okay. terms of. Sorry, yeah, I didn't mean to say. I reckon both teams will want to score and win the game. That wasn't really what I was going for. I was saying that. Relative to the usual, I think we will see an abnormally high level of risk-taking and and hunting for goals. I disagree, Oscar. I think we're going to see Adelaide United try not to score in this game actively. 
I appreciate they don't they don't want to kick goals. Very uncharitable interpretation of what I said. Okay, just go for kick goals. Final game of the weekend Sunday. It's an early kickoff. Uh, well, early in Sunday terms, ten fifteen a.m. on the twenty second of January. Wellington playing host to Canberra United. They've got the home field advantage, Oscar, but is that going to be enough to get them a result against Canberra? It's it's hard to see. I think Canberra at their best playing teams who are who they are actually better than. I, I think that they, you know, I, they that when they played earlier in the season, calling them flat track bullies, Oscar. Well, I, I I hesitate to call them flat track bullies, but I think that that's where Canberra are at their best. I think that their game, which they played earlier in the season, Wellington just could hardly get out of their defensive third of the field because Canberra was just suffocating them. And I imagine that there will be a similar approach applied today. I imagine Wellington will be more competitive than they were on that day being at home, but I'd nonetheless expect Canberra to, wow. to win so, so you called me uncharitable, and yet you're basically saying Canberra United are at their best when their opponents are at their easiest. Canberra, I, I, I look forward to seeing Canberra United in this, in this good vein of form coming up against Western United the following week to see if they can sustain this level against some of the best defences in the league. Well, with the return of Pakua Frimpong, hopefully the uh, the three of us will be back to, to review the predictions that, that Oscar and I have made. Pakua probably with a, a very discerning eye, and hopefully between now and then, um, Oscar will have the chance to escape the hole that he's dug for himself at the in the in the last two minutes of this program i think we should end the show well <laughs> that that's you, you you read my mind but uh if you have missed any of the uh of the program uh oscar was a lot nicer earlier <laughs> in parts of the show particularly to western sydney so if you want to hear any of that chat uh the review of the weekend's action the preview of what's to come i uh, do jump onto your preferred podcast platform and just search football nation radio and radio dub you'll find us You'll see the uh, the eye-catching podcast artwork with Sam Kerr doing a backflip and Katrina Gorey pointing to a dub. And uh, hopefully for you, uh, listening to this podcast was a dub. We'll catch you when our glorious leader, Pakua Frimpong, returns to the host seat next week. Pick it, she lays it off. Teresa Polaris! It's an absolute peach! Yes, driving!